former guest, Elsa Biskov, graced us with her presence in a previous and one of our most popular episodes of the Unframe of Mind show to discuss her belief in, about reincarnation as it relates to Martinus, uh, the Danish author, philosopher, and mystic. Well, Miss Elsa is back again to discuss reincarnation, one of her latest works, co-written with Maria McMahon. Uh, reincarnation in a nutshell lays out the proof for reincarnation and she's here today to discuss some of the finer details of her book you're listening to the unframe of mind show the place to have the most mind-stretching unprotected intellectual intercourse of your life your hosts battle the forces of evil by lobbing fiery balls of truth reason and evidence over safe room walls Alrighty, and today on the Unfirm of Mind show, I'm your host, Daniel Wagner, and I'm joined by Elsa Biskov. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. All, right. All the way from Spain. All the way from Spain. Yeah, absolutely. Which which the time yeah. difference, uh, it's it's uh, 8 in the morning for me and 3 p.m. for you. That's, that's, uh, exactly. that's, I mean, it's yeah. a good time of day for both of us, so it, it kind of works out really well. It is, and, indeed, yes. And for those of you who, who uh, just get to see the finished product of this show, just know that it's been quite the journey trying to get us scheduled, and it's mostly been my fault because I've just been super busy, and um, I appreciate you being consistent and keep reminding me. You know, that, that helps me a lot. <laughs> just that email popping up every now and again makes me go, oh, crap, I forgot. <laughs> so, yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm only here to spread the message. Right on, right on. And uh, yeah. and uh, I guess I guess today uh, you you sent me a copy of your your book uh, Reincarnation in a Nutshell and I've been going through it and I've taken a lot of notes so and I've also got some questions for you from our Unframed Minds Facebook group so you can uh, you can answer some of those as well so yeah. hopefully sure. hopefully this episode will be as popular if not more popular than our last one so we'll we'll yeah, see how it goes and uh, yeah. just. I just want to let everybody know. I mean, it's it's good it's good to have these conversations, especially with people you disagree with, to kind of get an idea of where people come from, why they believe the way they believe, where you know where, where their beliefs come from, you know who they are. It gets, it says a lot about who they are as a person too. So, um, it's just it's just it's something that I think we need more of, especially in this political climate we have nowadays. <laughs> I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I, how are how are things in Spain as far as that goes? I have I don't hear a lot of Spanish news coming out. <laughs> no, we just have a new socialist government in um, in place mm -hmm. but it's a minority government so who knows how long it will going to is going to last ah interesting so really so the, the the trump wave has kind of missed you guys in a way huh yes ah, okay we are not so great fans i understand i understand but that's not what we're here to talk about today no so. no absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> as interesting as that would be for a show Indeed. <laughs> so I I, th I think I'm gonna I'm gonna start with a few uh, questions before we get into the book from the Unframe Minds group so to get their questions yeah. out of the way. Um, and, uh, and and who knows maybe some of these questions will answer some of the questions I have for you later so I, I can just skip right over. Yeah. Anyway, so um, Cindy Ulrich from uh, from the F Facebook Minds group she says this this belief fascinates me and she she wonders you know how do we find who or what we were in past lives? Is that something that can be done? Yes, indeed. <laughs> you can only look at who you are. You can look at the person you are today because everything you are, uh, all your beliefs, all your what you find it in your heart to do to others, uh, your, your likes and dislikes, your habits, um, your morals, your level of intelligence, everything is a result of what you have been through in former lives. So in a way, we can say that you are your former lives. So this is, this is simply because in your former life, you have been through so many experiences and these experiences have shaped you. They have taught you a lot of things and all this shaping 
has has been embedded in your supraconsciousness in something that Martinus calls the fate element. And we take our fate element with us from life to life. That means it doesn't mean that we can remember the actual episode that in which we learned something, but it means that we have the essence or the, the, the actual gem that we learned in that episode that we take with us. And that means that when we are in a later life, is in a situation that resembles one that we were in in a former life, we will be able to draw on that experience and draw on that, uh, the wisdom we, we learned from that, and then we will react accordingly. So, I mean, we, we really are, the person we are today is simply a result of all our famous, all our former lives. That's also why people are so different because we have all been through so many different things in our former lives. Not two, not two persons have been through the same things. So sure. we're all different based on that. You know, I, I think what she was getting at was more like, uh, is there any way to like track down, maybe like search through historical record and find out exactly, you know, the actual name of the person we were. I, I understand what you're saying from, you know, you being a collection of all your past lives. But I think I think yeah. I, I don't want to assume what her question means, but that's kind of what I got out of it was was is there any way to to determine yeah. who you actually were and, and track that person down and, and learn yeah. more about their life? <laughs> A lot of research has actually been taking place into this question. And I don't know if you heard about Ian Stevenson of the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. And he did, he, he researched into children who remember past lives mm -hmm. all his, his professional life. He died in 2007 and his work is now being taken over by a guy called Jim Tucker. So it's still going on. And Ian Stevenson was able to gather 3,000 uh, cases of children who remember past lives, mm -hmm. but also the, the professor who's still alive uh, in, in Iceland, he lives in Reykjavik, Alan Dwar Harrelson, has some very, done some very interesting research into people or children who remember past lives. Um, he has a famous case of a guy who was born in Lebanon, a boy who was born in Lebanon, who said, um, I'm, I'm not a child, I'm not a little, I'm not a, a young child, I'm a man, and my name is Fuad. And uh, you are not, I, you're, my wife has prettier eyes than you have. He was talking to his mother. Mm. And I want to go and see uh, my family. And he said that he remembered being shot by, by two people with a shotgun. And uh, when he was uh, what, six or seven, his, his family took him to the place he indicated in a, in a town, also in Lebanon, but a town of which he had no knowledge in his present life. And he took uh, his family directly to a specific street. And um, he recognized the, the woman who had young children as his former wife. And he could reveal all sorts of intimate details that only they, the two of them, knew. So that's, a, that's a, an, an example from... Uh, uh, from Alan Dwar Harrelson's book, um, I Saw the Light and Came Here. So, I mean, there are many examples, but the thing is that most ch children who remember past lives will, <clears throat> will in general, mm -hmm. have had a violent death. It's as if, as if they had a violent death, as this example I just mentioned. The, the, the memory will sort of spill over into its next incarnation. <clears throat> but you are actually not meant to remember your past lives. It is, um, Martinus clearly indicates that 
if you can remember your last life, it is an exception. It's an exception because if we were born with active memories of all our past lives, and we can have many lives that were in unpleasant, we can have been tortured, or we can have been had died in accidents, and we can have died of terrible illnesses, and we have had can had have had terrible marriages and whatnot. <laughs> it would not be conducive for our present life to go, to go around remembering all this. And also our energy of memory at this time is very weak. So we can't we really, we can't even remember what we did when we were two or three or four. Yeah, it almost <clears throat> it almost seems so, like it would be very a useful tool to have if you're gonna learn from your past lives to be able to remember <laughs> past lives and under, and learn the lessons from those. Uh, yes, I, but as I said, the lesson you learn. Yeah. The lesson you learn because that is the essence of this is saved in your fate element and that you, you take with you into your next incarnation. So it's not really necessary to be able to have an active uh, uh, memory of it. But having said that, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, people have in, in during hypnosis, hypnosis been able to recall past lives and also life between life. And a lot of research has been done into that as well by Michael Newton. And there's actually something called the Newton Institute which um, is still conducting uh, research into this. So it's not as if they are forgotten. They are just not on our day conscious uh, level. You see, they are somewhere in our super consciousness, but on a day conscious level on this physical plane, we can't remember them, but we can be made to remember them during hypnosis, as I just said. Boy, that's got to be scary, but got to be kind of creepy in a, in a weird kind of way. I can just imagine going into hypnosis and, and having, you know, something <laughs> like some past life come up. I, I don't know if I would be able to determine the difference for myself between just a, a strong, overactive imagination and like actually having, you know, recalling memories from a previous life. You know yeah, what the difference is? The difference between a strong overactive reimagination and a real past life um, reenacting is that. If you have some, if there's something from your past life, you will feel it so much. You will be crying. You will be like so emotionally impressed by it. If it's just a fantasy, no, it's, it won't affect you in the same way. And I can tell you because I have been regressed and I've never cried so much, never, ever cried so much. It is such a heart rendering experience when if you are taking back to a place where you suffered. Obviously, how can you and when you know it's real because you cannot fake those kind of emotions. Like I cried for hours. It's not something that you can fake by imagining it, imagining it. All right. Well, um, next next question here. That was that was that was fantastic answer. So we'll 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 go on there. Um, Where was I at? Uh, She she says, "Are, are all evils committed in one life punished in the next? Yes. Well, <laughs> I've just finished, finished it, it was published four, five days ago, a book called Fate and Karma in a Nutshell, How to Understand Your Fate and Change It for the Better. And yes, uh, karma shown in one life can uh, come back to you in a later life. Because um, when, when, you, when you perform an act, you send out a small amount of energy into the universe. And as there's no straight line in the universe, this amount of energy will come back to its origin. But it can take a long time for it to come back. It can take maybe three or four incarnations before something that you sowed in a past life comes back to affect you in one life. So yes, if you did, let's say you killed somebody, 
in a past life, then actually this, this killing will mean that you yourself will be killed in a later life. But, and this is the good, this is the good thing, if you, before that killing energy comes back to you in a later life, you have changed so much that you are no longer a killer. Let's say you have become a really all-loving person. Then that um, karma will only hit you as a diluted killing. That means you will be hurt but not killed, or you will be hurt mentally but um, but not killed. So it, it's, it, it all has to do with the vibration of your aura. And once the vibration of your aura changes, the karma cannot hit you the same way. If you are still a killer, then it will hit you in the same way. But if you have changed, then the, the vibration of your aura changes. And then it cannot hit you. It can only come back in a much more diluted shape. So yes, definitely. Karma can come back to you in a later life. So what would the karma effect be different based on if, say, you murdered somebody versus killed them in self-defense? Would that be, you know, like, is there like a point system or like, how, how do you, uh, I, I guess there's that question, but also like, how would you know that uh, what you're yes. being punished for in a later life was as a result of that specific yes, thing? Absolutely. Um, yes, I mean, killing in cold blood. Hmm. Right, I got you. And if you're still a cold-blooded killer, when that karma comes back to you, then you will be killed in, in cold blood. Killing in self-defense is a completely different uh, story because it also has a different vibration. If you're, killed, if you're killing in self-defense, then you are not necessarily an aggressive killer. You're only trying to protect what, what you feel is yours. So that will, that will definitely create a different kind of karma. Because the vibration is different, and it's the vibration that we must look at. Because, as I said, cold-blooded killer has a much more aggressive vibration than just somebody who is actually trying to defend himself. Right. I hope I, you can I, see I, that. This might be a weird, weird question. Do you do you play video games, or have you ever played video games before? No, no, no. Okay, no. well, let me let me try this. Maybe you'll maybe you'll at least know what I'm referring to. But usually, like in the beginning of a. a, a a, a RPG game, a role-playing game, um, you will select different attributes for your character. Um, okay. You, you might decide, well, I want this character to have more wisdom and less strength, uh, you know, that kind of thing, right? Right. Um, I, almost, I almost imagine, like, okay, I'm a cold-blooded killer, you know, I've just been killed in a, in a, in a later life as a result, and now that I'm dead, I'm, I'm in my spirit form looking... Uh, back at what's going on. Okay. Oh, that's why I got killed. Okay. So in this new reincarnation, what I need to do is create this character. Is is there something, I mean, is it kind of work like that where you're, you're able to kind of go, well, okay, I see the past mistakes. I'll, 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 I'll correct for here and there and I'll change this th about this new yeah. reincarnation and then you know you start the game you know yeah, aka exactly. also being exactly. bored it's actually how it works yes it is because when you pass over to the to the spiritual plane mm -hmm. you normally have what is definite what is called the life review and you will look at the things you did in your last in your past life and nobody will judge you other than yourself and you will look at yourself uh, and and you see what you did and you will think oh what a terrible thing to do and and nobody judges you but you but what you also get to 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 you, you what you also experience is you get to feel the action that you had on others and when you when you feel on your own body how whatever you said or did affected this other person 
that will affect you. That will make you feel, oh, my God, I'm actually really sorry that I did that. And why didn't I think of that? And I should have been more considerate and I should have thought more about what I did and things like that. So in that way, during this life review, you will also be able to see what you actually did wrong. And you will absolutely try your best not to repeat it. In life. I understand. I just out of curiosity, uh, this is my question uh, to build on that was what, what would be the evidence for that life review process uh, uh, actually existing? Like, how do, how do you know that's a thing? I know it because, uh, uh, as I said, Michael Newton has written a lot about it. Mm-hmm. And if you read some of his books, um, they, are, they are all I have only written two of his books, read two of his books. And I can't re- really remember what they call but. Um, they are all about life between life. And he has been able to gather this uh, information via hypnosis of people who have come to him voluntarily and said that they would like to to be hypnosed into uh, what they experienced between physical lives. And there's also another guy, he's written a book called Life Between Life. There's been a lot of, quite a lot of research going on in this field, but I would say the Newton Institute is probably the foremost um, place where, where, this, this, where this goes on. Right on. Okay. So I, I brought up a little thing about Michael Newton here so that people that are viewing the video can see this as well. Um, yes. yes. The founder of the Newton Institute for Life Between Lives Hypnotherapy and served as the first president from 2002 to 2005. Yeah, if you guys want to check that out, that's at newtoninstitute.org for the podcast listening audience. All right. So if you want to learn more information about that. All right. St- uh, oh, that's not my notes. That's my notes from last show. Let's try uh, this piece, <laughs> this, this stack of papers. Okay. I've, I almost feel like I got like a, a Alex Jones's desk where he's got papers all over the place. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So uh, uh, her next question, she I, I, I thanked her actually for like basically writing my entire show notes for me. <laughs> she had a lot of questions. All right. So um, let me see here. Do people meet up with the same souls from one life to the next? I'm, I'm not sure, sure what she means by that question exactly, but maybe you do. I actually do. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes, they do. They do. Because you see that uh, our, the karmas, we, our karmas get entangled, but not only that. Ties of love are very strong. They're very strong bonds. And that means that we will reincarnate with the people we have been married to before. The the people that are now our children could have been our brothers or our mothers. Or, I mean, we do reincarnate with the same people life after life after life until all the finished unfinished business has been settled. And when we sort of think that, okay, this is it, this is done. We we have reached the point where I can now move on and reincarnate with some other people. I'm absolutely sure I've been married to my husband before. Absolutely sure. That's got to be and an incredible just, feeling. <laughs> it's just that I don't know. It's it's just it really makes sense. And also when I was regressed that time, I had a regression to my um, past life when I lived um, in the Middle Ages, and um, it was during the the plague. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw my husband, the same one as I'm with today. Um, so I'm just completely sure that is it. Wow. That's amazing. And, uh, that's, it's, um, it, he might not have been, he might not have been the only husband I've had. Of course I've had many, but, but you see the bonds of love, the bonds of friendship, they, they, they roll over into your next incarnation. Mm-hmm. So she asks also, uh, can our, 
uh, sorry, do our children hold a bit of our past lives in them as in a passing down of sorts? No, no, no. That what the children hold is their own past lives. Sure. And as I said, the, the bonds between the uh, souls can be very strong. And I have a very strong, I have a very strong connection to my daughter in this life. And I'm sure she has been my daughter in former lives or I've been with her in other ways. So it's, it's um, and also like if, if a woman very strongly wants to be, to become pregnant mm-hmm. and it, it might not only be a question of overactive hormones. It can actually be, be because there's a there's a spirit up there so wanting to come down to to, to reincarnate as as her child. So it it and that is because of an a, a bond a, a bond of love from from created in, in former lives. So so yes, definitely. All right. Excellent answer. Um, yeah, I would have I would have said it's probably got to do with a lot of hormones and uh, you know the, the obvious obviously <laughs> obviously the the uh, biological evolutionary need to you know create more life. You know, it's just mm-hmm. kind of built into the whole uh, natural selection system evolutionarily. Uh, right. Uh, next question here would be um, how do I ensure I don't? This will be the last question I'll ask from from her before I move on. I don't want to spend all day on just her questions, Cindy. Get it together, lady. All right. How, how do I ensure I don't come back as a bachelor party show donkey? She's got a weird sense of humor. Bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, Shirley, you can only come back as you. That's as simple as that. You cannot come back as anybody else. You can only come back as you. And when you reincarnate, you reincarnate from exactly the point that you had reached in your evolution from the last time you died. So you die, and that's that's where your evolution stops for a while, while you take a good long uh, uh, break, and then when you reincarnate into a new physical body, you re, you you um, start your your next incarnation from exactly the place where the last one ended. So, it's a continuous journey of evolution, of of learning, of becoming wiser, of becoming more intelligent, of becoming everything. So you cannot reincarnate into something that you are not. Nor can you reincarnate into some subhuman species like rats or snakes or something like that, which is a, a general belief in some of the Eastern religions. No, no, that is not how it is. You can only reincarnate as you, full stop. Okay, so you said in the Eastern traditions, which actually kind of leads me into my next question, because uh, Michael Crowley from the Unframed Minds Group, he, he wanted to see how you would respond to this statement. He said uh, the statement is, we are the reincarnation of each other. And there's, there's more no, detail if that's... No, we're not. No, we're not. Okay. The reincarnation of us, of you. You can only be you. Yeah. You have your I, your, not an I, but an I. I am, as in I am. And that I is an eternal entity. And it evolves from each life it lives. It's, we're all eternal beings. We're on an eternal journey. And it, it is a huge, huge, complicated, not complicated, but complex journey that I cannot come into get into here. But at the present time where we are now, we are reincarnating. We are, we are humans and we are reincarnating into more evolved humans for every life we live. All the things we have learned in this life, we take with us into the next life. And that means we will be more advanced, we'll be better looking even, we'll be finer, we'll be kinder, we'll be more humane, um, we'll be more altruistic and empathic because all these things we have learned via our many um, sufferings in our life. And this means that 
we, it can only go forward. We can only move. Evolution can never go forward. And um, in that, that way, we really do become better persons well, for each life to live. Uh, just out of, this this popped into my mind when you were mentioning that you you keep mentioning the constant evolution and, and, and improving constantly over each life. Is it possible to regress and become less altruistic or less humane or or less good looking? No. Is that is that even no. possible? It's impossible. It can only go forward because there's an energy, uh, a, a divine energy, really that is is permeating everything in a forward moving uh, direction. We sure, cannot. Sure. You cannot go back. You can. You can go back, and you can look at, at 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 people or animals or whatever that are behind yourself in evolution. Like if if you are an, an advanced and very humane being, you can of course look at other beings that are not as advanced as you, that are maybe more primitive and still very greedy and uh, and selfish, and and you can say, okay, that's them, but this is me. You cannot become them. You can only reincarnate as you. So you said you couldn't go back and be like a rat that, you know, that's more of a more of an Eastern philosophy. And, and, and Michael's came. He said it came. It's in accordance with uh, Vedanta Hinduism, early Zen known as Chan Buddhism and a mediation practice called Zogen. I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. So I guess he's referring to more of the Eastern philosophy of, of reincarnation. And, and this what you're talking about is more of a Western uh, philosophy then. I'll, all. Everything I know, or whatever little I know, I have from the Martinez material. It's all I have ever studied, because right. I was an unwritten um, piece of paper when I met the Martinez material uh, 25 years ago. It is in, in exactly, and because I was an atheist and I had no knowledge of any really, I hated relig the religion I was brought up with. This Martinez material, it so appealed to me. Wow, this is so logical. It is so intelligent. It so appealed to my intellect that it was all I ever needed. It was all I ever asked for. Sure. So I have no knowledge of Buddhism and Hinduism, none. I, I, I don't know it. I only know the Martinez material. That was enough for me. Sure, that, that, is, that is interesting. I guess if I was to go into a new belief system, having just been uh, an atheist, I would I would. I per personally, I would go through and learn all I could about all different instances because, you know, maybe just to see what the differences are. Maybe I could even try to prove the uh, Eastern philosophies incorrect and, and, and convince those people that, hey, Martinus is the way here. This is this is why you should believe this. And your belief doesn't make sense because X and why. That's just the way I operate, I guess. <laughs> yes, ex exactly. Exactly. And the difference really is that all previous religions have have all been appealing to our feelings like uh, jesus was only trying to appeal to our feelings because people at the time when he lived they were not very intellectually evolved so it would have been there would have been no point for him to appeal to their intellects because they weren't there yet and he also said i have much more to tell you but i cannot tell you now but uh, you cannot bear it now but the, the spirit of truth that the father will send in my name will lead you into the whole of truth or something like that Goodness. and that had to wait that's he, he, the, the, the fulfillment of that prophecy had to wait until we had evolved far enough to become intellectual beings which is what we are today and that's why the martinez material does not appeal to our feelings it only appeals to our intellect and and that was what really made me so blown over with it because everything I read there 
it just sounded so true to me. But I'm not saying it <clears throat> can appeal to everybody because it also depends where you are. And um, if you are open for it, if you're open-minded. <clears throat> and Martinus also clearly uh, says, and I think this is an important point, mm -hmm. that if you are happy with your belief system, if you are happy with whatever you believe, with your religion or what it is, just stay there. Don't go to the Martinus material until you are screaming for it. And that is only an atheist who will do, who will do that. All right, so that's that covers our questions from the uh, Unframe Minds group that they had for you. And uh, I guess we'll get into your book now. Um, I've only got like eight pages worth of notes here. We probably won't get to all of them, but I'll try to hit no, on some major fine. points and just kind of see where this takes us. So uh, yeah. I, guess, I guess the first thing I, I wanted to touch on, I, I got started um, in the first, let's see, uh, I'm, I'm going to read some quotes and then I have some, some questions about it and I'll let you respond from there. So uh, at, at one point you said, uh, you cannot delve into the question of reincarnation if you base your knowledge solely on what the materialistic sciences have to offer. Uh, they really have little or nothing to offer in this respect, and it is clear that when you move away from what can be seen, measured, and weighed, you approach a level about which the materialistic sciences know nothing. The materialistic sciences are not concerned with the spiritual level of existence. And my question for that would be, if we cannot access with our senses, how do we prove its existence? Well, it, let, let me first say that um, materialistic science has, has brought us a lot, a lot of benefits. I mean, just look at how we can communicate today and how we can fly across the world and have wonderful houses and everything. I mean, and the, the, the science, the materialistic science has brought us so much, so many benefits, but it has also meant that some people have been blinded by science. They have been blinded and they think that materialistic science will be able to answer all questions about everything. But they can't. And why can't they? Because materialistic science only studies physical matter. And it is, of course, not possible to have a whole and a complete world picture if you do not include the spiritual plane because there's spirit and we know that we ourselves have a spirit but not even our own spirit can the this, this materialistic science acknowledge it, they cannot acknowledge their existence because it cannot be weighed and measured and that's the problem with, with materialistic science it can only weigh and measure things that are seen but we know today that we, there's also stuff, stuff, matter exists that is invisible. And how do we know? Because we use it every day. We use it when we speak on our mobile phones, when we roam cordlessly on the internet, when we get our GPS in the car to lead us to a, an unknown place in an unknown town. We use unseen matter all the time. And it is well defined by by science actually because they call it um, they call it electromagnetic radiation but in order to become knowledgeable about what is actually going on in the universe what is going on beyond what we can see we have to have somebody who can tell us you have to have somebody who has spiritual insight 
or cosmic consciousness. And that's exactly what Martinez has. So it's not an, an, a knowledge that we can access on our own. We need help here. We need help from a higher being, somebody who has a knowledge that is not accessible to the physical senses. And that's why the Martinez material is so wildly interesting because he had this insight and he was able to reveal it. And it took him 60 years of his life. He died in 1981 mm -hmm. to write it all down. And he wrote 10,000 pages of spiritual insight. And it is just amazing. It, it pulls away the, the veal that has been between us, the physical world and the spiritual world. And it explains what is out there. And you're right. If we cannot see, if we cannot see and weigh it and measure it, how can we know it exists? But we can know it ex if it exists if we use our logic. Like, for instance, if we look at anything that man made, our computer, our, uh, our a chair we're sitting on, a table, everything, everything man made without exception was a thought before it became a physical manifestation. Nothing in the man made world was, has come into existence without it being first a thought. A thought is not is not is nothing physical it is a spiritual entity and because everything was a thought bef before it became a physical manifestation we have suddenly proved that non-physical matter exists haven't we I, I, I think we I think we did cover this in the last episode when we when we discussed this. But yes. um, well, I think yes. I think uh, I, don't, I don't remember if we actually covered it or not. But basically, I guess my <laughs> my rebuttal to that would be that yes, thoughts do actually have a physical form. They do show up. You know, we, we do see the effects of thoughts. Like you can put yes, exactly. people in a CT scan. We cannot and you can see, see the thoughts. Effect. We cannot hold it in our hand. Right. But we, what we have to realize is that thoughts are energy. It's a small amount of energy that holds information and it holds force and these two things are the characteristics of a thought and the con and the whole of our thoughts is our life force so without thoughts we would have no life force and this energy field this is another pl th place where we can actually prove this because when we have a, a body that is dying in hospital and we have these monitoring devices that are attached to the body and we see that these, these the curves that go up and down which show that the body is still alive and suddenly uh, when the body dies we see a flat curve, a, a flat line. And that means that the energy, the energy that was in this body has left, it's no longer there, it's gone, it has pulled out of the physical body which is now a corpse, but the energy Energy cannot be created and it cannot be dissolved. So energy, this is according to the first law of thermodynamics. So the energy is not dissolved just before because it pulls out of the physical body. It moves on to the spiritual plane. But in the energy is everything we are. That is who we are. The energy field with the eye and the consciousness and everything we have learned is who we are. The physical body is just an instrument. So we can see on these on the line of the on the monitoring devices when the flat line appears, the energy has pulled out. So we know that there's more. There's more to us than just this physical body. There's more. There's the energy field or the aura which sits in the aura. So we just have to get our heads around it. It's very very clear that this is how it is, because when we reincarnate, we take all these things with us. And if we if we didn't have all these uh, experiences from former lives, why aren't two siblings of the same sex 
born to the same parents, why aren't they identical? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a good question. Um, yeah, <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna move on to the next uh, segment here. Um, so on page uh, twelve, uh, it, it mentions a, uh, Martinus was able to see beyond the physical level and into the spiritual level where everything has its origin. And then on page 13, it says, we cannot answer the big questions about life after death and reincarnation based on our materialistic sciences, which we just covered. Um, mm. our, our materialistic sciences can only answer questions of a physical nature. They were never meant to deal with spiritual aspects of life, aspects which cannot be weighed and measured as physical matter can. Since the spiritual level is not accessible to our physical senses, our, material, our materialistic sciences will never be able to shed light on spiritual aspects. Now, the issue I had with that is uh, I feel like you contradict yourself right there within the same two pages. Uh, if the spiritual level is not a, not accessible to our physical senses, how can somebody like Martinus use his physical sentences to to see the spiritual realm? <laughs> he did not. <laughs> he did not use his physical senses, and that's the whole point. When when Martinus was thirty, <clears throat> he sat down to meditate on the concept of God. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And um, he hadn't been meditating for more than a minute or something. He was pulled out of his physical body. And in his spiritual body, he was taken up to the spiritual plane where he was actually encountered uh, by uh, the figure of Jesus. And um, he, uh, he, he, he saw how, how Jesus came walking towards him. And he moved, he walked right into Martinez. And he had this amazing, amazing, amazing experience that his mind was expanded beyond what he could actually be able to to hold. And and in a, at a certain point, he had to put he was he was blind he blindfolded him. They pulled off the blindfold, and he had to get back into his physical body because this was so overwhelming. So he was not in his physical body when he had this um, this revelation or the, this when, when, when consciousness was open to him. The next day he sat down to meditate again. And uh, this time he was also pulled out of his physical body into a golden a golden environment where everything was golden threads and it was a, a huge and amazing 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 experience and again he had to go back and um, and and sit in his chair but after these two experiences he realized that his uh, perception has changed his consciousness had been expanded and now he suddenly realized to his very very big surprise that he his his vision was no longer limited to the physical plane, but he could now see into the spiritual plane beyond. He could see into the Akashic records, which are also called, into the wisdom of the universe, the, the sea of wisdom of the universe. And he could see how everything was hanging together, how everything fit, how everything was part of, 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 of everything. And it was, and using his intelligence, to sort of condense all these impressions, he was able to write uh, his his work. So, so no, he was not in his physical body when he had this insight. <laughs> so I, I know you keep using the word "see." He keeps or his his vision here. He's able to see. That's a that's a very physical sense. I'm just curious. Is there like a better word for that, or some kind of different way to describe that? That I don't know if maybe there needs to be. Maybe this is just a word we just don't have in our language. Or is that is that kind of where you're coming from? Yeah, well, perceive, um, but that's also has something to do with the. We, we must we must realize that our language, the language that we use, is limited sure. to to the physical world, 
So it's, it's very difficult to find um, an, another word for it. But yes, Martinus was able to perceive and or to to sense, but that was it was more like it. To, he was able to intuit. Maybe that's the better word. He he used his his intuition. His his energy of intuition had been expanded widely during these two experiences. So he could, with his intuition, he could pull down the information yeah. from the sea of knowledge of the universe. That, that, is, that is, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That is one major disadvantage of of, of any language, for that matter. Is there's just certain words yeah. that don't describe concepts that we have. <laughs> that when it's like, when you, and then when you try to describe it, it's like you're using common words that everybody knows, which makes it really, really that's difficult true. to explain your your pers- your perspective. So maybe yes, maybe that's something that's uh, maybe that's something yeah. you could consider and think about and take it back to the community and uh, <laughs> see but, see what know, others come but, up but with. But Martinus had to invent new words. Yeah. Uh, in Danish, I'm Danish, so uh, so sure. I know. What, what would you know, be, what, because he's, it, it was it was impossible to he he had to invent new words because some of the words the, 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 they were not sufficient words yeah so so that's um yeah I know Shakespeare had to invent tons of oh, words that we now current, currently use another case of reincarnation I, 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 I don't mean, I mean to put you on the spot do you but do you have like an example of one of those words even if you speak it in Danish I, I wouldn't mind I'm just, um, I'm just curious if you have an example that'd be cool Yes, oh, there are so many examples. Um, yes, for instance, the, the he he named the no, that's not well. But they were it, like he named the, the the seven basic energies in the in the universe, and some some of them he he called he called one of them Tungde Nagin, the energy of gravity. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's nothing to do with with what our concept concept of gravity and um but and he had to use existing words sort of with an expanded meaning if you know what i mean sure. um i have to scratch my head because yeah that's no that's no problem i was just i was just kind of curious about yeah. that yeah if, if you think of any good ones i i, I would i would like, uh, like i'll to, let you know yeah, yeah sure yeah. All right, so we're going to move on to uh, let's see, um, I, and I appreciate you, you answering these questions. This, is, this is, was a lot of fun to read when I had time to read it, and I apologize for again for taking so long to do so. Um, no problem. So again, on, on uh, yeah, I think we covered this briefly, but I wanted to get a little more detail from you. Is is a uh, basically on page uh, I think it was twelve or thirteen. Said uh, Martinus had the energy of intuition under the control of his will, and this means that whenever he focused his thoughts on a question, the answer came to him immediately. Now, my question would be, how do we determine the difference between someone with legitimate, quote unquote, spiritual insight and, say, a huckster or a con artist, a liar, you know, BS artist, if you will? Now, <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, well, I'm, not, now, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. <laughs> I'm not calling him a huckster. I'm just curious. How do you how do you oh, no, differentiate? No, there's, a good, there's, a, there's a good definition here because and that was actually Jesus who said this, that you will know the tree from its fruit. Mm-hmm. And um, the Martinus's work has only one f- fruit love hmm. love and logic and i think that's the way you can you can uh, distinguish his work from a tricksters because i don't think a tricksters fruit would be love and logic that's that's uh, I'm, I'm not quite satisfied with that answer that's that's uh <laughs> i'm just I'm, I'm like i'm more curious in like say somebody comes up to you with another book similar to you know as we discussed in our last uh, episode uh, the, the experience you had when you first read martinus's work 
Um, I'm yeah. just curious if somebody else comes to you with a new book that say, you know, for whatever reason you end up reading it and you're like, you have another aha moment. How do you determine that this is the new thing? And you know, not, you know what I'm saying? That's like, what, what do you yeah. personally yeah, yeah, use but, to determine? I mean, Martinez never said, and he even says that this in the foreword to his main work, uh, leave it's bow, the book of life, right. that his work was never meant to be the only thing out there there are other things out there that oh have goodness the truth. <laughs> how come you've only and, read and, those but, but his is the most complete his is the most complete sure. but of course if people are like more attracted to, to some other things then that's absolutely fine mm. but i mean it i mean not even the wildest fantasy can come up with what martinez has come up with i mean i have read it all believe me and it is impossible to for an earthly human to come up with something so logical and and so intelligent and so insightful explaining how the whole how we spend eternity explaining how everything is one explaining the universe and beyond it it, it would not be possible it, it the, his work simply re- reveals that he had a, an, a, another source of information, a source of information that was metaphysical, simply. All right, all right. That's that's a much better answer. I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. So, um, next quote here is uh, based on his intuitive ability. He became the author. Uh, his being Martin Martinus, he became mm-hmm. uh, the author of more than ten thousand ten thousand pages of spiritual wisdom. And I, I did. I wanted to ask you: Are you familiar with an author by the name of L. Ron Hubbard? No. Okay. Um, As I said. I stopped when I found the Martinez material. Sure, sure. Um, As I said, it, there's, there are other people out there that have insight. There's Edgar Casey, for instance. He had, had, had a lot of insight. There's, um, uh, I mean, um, there's a lot of, of, of other beings out there that, that also had insight into the mystery of life. Right. But as I said, to, for, for me, the Martinez material is the most complete, and I think it is the most complete because it covers so many aspects. Well, the, re- the reason I asked about L. L. Ron Hubbard specifically, based on that quote, <laughs> uh, the, the quote again was based on his intuitive ability, became the author of more than 10,000 pages of spiritual wisdom. Um, see, L. Ron Hubbard, uh, he was famous for uh, – I say the same theoretically could be said about L. Ron Hubbard, the creator of Scientology – um, L. Ron Hubbard was a prolific writer, according to the church. His written teachings make up approximately 500,000 pages and 3,000 recorded lectures, totaling about 65 million uh, words. He also produced hundreds of films, 500 short stories, and novels. And for anybody that's ever read it, they say it's pretty terrible writing. It's all just, it's very, it's, it very much seems like rough draft writing. But as a result, he's created the entire religion around Scientology. That's uh, he's he's the guy that created Scientology, and people also believe that. So I just I was curious what you would think might be the difference between, say, Martin's work versus L. Ron Hubbard's work in terms of teaching people. As I haven't read Edward Hur- this Hubbard's work, mm-hmm. I, can, I all I can say is that the Martinez material is free. It's free for all. There's no organization, and there's nothing you can you cannot become a member of every, of, any, of of anything. You don't have to pay money. There's no financial inclusion in in anything. It's free for all. The the work of Martinez belongs to all of humankind. Full stop. All right. There's nothing. There's no money involved. Okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm, I'm going to go to the next one here. Um, so, hey, what do you make all that noise for? 
<laughs> I had a weird buzzing going on over here. All right, so mm-hmm. this this one's about the ray-formed, <laughs> ray-formed matter. The, the quote says, uh, let's see, uh, we must realize that there is more to the world than what we can see and touch. We must realize that there is such a quote-unquote thing as invisible spiritual matter. Martinus calls this type of matter ray-formed matter, but it really is the same as energy. Uh, he calls it ray-form matter, an invisible but measurable type of matter whose existence is in no way questioned by the science of physics. The science of physics calls this type of, of matter electromagnetic radiation, and it's well-described and understood. Um, now, this is, this is again, where I had a, an issue between uh, a contradiction between measurable versus un, in, unmeasurable, where in one sentence you're saying it's unmeasurable, it can't be touched, can't be seen, which I think we've kind of covered that in the spiritual sense that mm. we didn't have a word for. So I, th- I feel like this question you've already answered to some degree, yeah. but I was just curious if you can give me a little more detail on this. No, you're actually right. You're actually right because um, invisible matter is measurable. And and um, like, like of course, what when we use this type of matter, when we talk, talk, talk on our mobile phones or roam on the internet, it's measurable. I mean, our, our phone can pick it up. It, 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 it's something to do with, with, um, with the wavelength. Our phone is, has been um, designed so that it will only pick up a specific wavelength, which is specific to my phone. Mm-hmm. And uh, this wavelength will then <clears throat> be pulled in by the phone when I get a call. But, and, and, but it's true that it is un, it is, we cannot see it and we cannot touch it, but it is measurable. And if I have made a mistake there, then it's definitely my fault. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, it's just it, it, it might be again. <clears throat> excuse me, it might be again just the the limitation on the language that makes it difficult to describe these things. So uh, I would just be watching for those, uh, and I and I was personally watching for those yeah, kinds of things. Yeah, but you're right. You're right. So on uh, page eighteen, uh, because of the consent we use to make, I'm sorry, because of the consent we can. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Let me try that again. Because of the constant use, constant, not consent. <laughs> because oh, of the constant okay. use we make of this invisible type of matter, no modern informed human being would claim that invisible matter does exist. We all know that does it does. Does not exist. Huh? Yeah, it does, does not, not exist. Does not exist. We all know that it does because we make use of it every day, just like you said. And, oh, mm. Well, shoot, I'm just, I, I guess I should have read ahead of my own notes. We, you already covered that. I said it's not invisible. It shows up with tools for measuring it. It's not, it's not actually invisible uh, because we no. do see the effects of it. It says this yes, would be yes, important exactly. thing. It is okay. measurable, but it is invisible and we cannot touch it. Right. So, so I guess I think we, I think we yeah. agree on that uh, yeah. in, insofar as it can be seen through uh, seeing its effects. All right, so yes. let me make exactly. sure this next question hasn't already been covered here. It's hard. It's hard to hard to keep a a show going <laughs> while reading yeah, your reading exactly. ahead on your I notes. Know. Yeah, I don't know how people do it. It's crazy. Um, yeah, do it. Especially especially when you know we've already covered some of this already accidentally yeah. just through natural dialogue. All right. Precisely. Let me make sure this is right. Okay, so this is a new topic here. So. Here we go. So uh, the quote uh, is on page 19. Even though, uh, even if we dug forever in the physical body, we would be unable to find a physical thing that could be identified as our eye. Or uh, our our quote-unquote eye does not consist of physical matter. It is a spiritual entity. And um, I guess my concern with that is just because science hasn't found the answer yet does not automatically follow that it's spiritual. There are plenty of examples of all religions pretending to have answers for yet unsolved questions. Um, this is This has been... Pretty, pretty uh, historical throughout all of all of history, where as science continues to advance and evolve and learn 
um, a lot of the older uh, religious teachings become null and void or they have to re-explain them in another way to make them fit into the shoehorn of that particular religion. It's a constant, you know, it's like, uh, I think they call it the God of the gaps in a, in, in terms of uh, that particular uh, philosophy between, okay, <laughs> I'll let you respond to that. Okay, I will respond in the following way. Sure. <laughs> you know, we have, we have microscopes and we look into matter in a microscope and oh my God, we, we, we keep looking and we keep digging and we find smaller and smaller and smaller units. And, but we cannot, the, 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 the act of finding smaller and smaller units do not, uh, that does not explain what it is we see. The same happens when we look out into the universe. We have these huge telescopes and we can see galaxies millions and millions of light years away. And we, we, we focus on more and more of these. And all we see is more of the same and more of the same and more of the same. So when, wherever we direct our, our, our focus, be it into macrocosmos or into microcosmos, we just see more of the same and more of the same and more of the same. We just see smaller and smaller units and bigger and bigger units, but it does not tell us what it is we see. So I can guarantee you, Daniel, that even though science, this materialistic science stuck forever into a, a physical body, it will never ever find the, the soul or the, the eye our consciousness because that is not where that is the consciousness the, the eye and the soul is in the spiritual body the the aura that sits around the body the entity that pulls out when this physical body has become useless through injury illnesses or old age so this is where we have to look we simply have to realize that the, the world consists of two levels of ex existence there's the physical level that's down here and there's the spiritual level up here. And we have a bit of the spiritual level. We have it in our own body, mm -hmm. in the shape of our consciousness, in the shape of our aura, our eye, the person who has will. I mean, we know we have an eye, but science, the materialistic science says, no, no, we don't have an eye. Everything is, is in the brain. But do they say the brain is hungry? Do they say the brain is going to the grocery shop? Do they say the brain likes pizza? No, they don't. They use the word I all the time because that is something that we cannot like dismiss. It exists. It is who we are. It's the center of who we are. So, I mean, I wonder if that answered your question. I'm not sure. Uh, I'll let, I'll let the, the viewers decide. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I know there's a, there's a lot of detail. What you, first, what you asked? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This thing about digging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, sure. The, 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 and another reason why this is so is that the, the physical matter and, and of the body, and this is acknowledged by, by materialistic science, mm -hmm. our physical matter is in a constant process of renewal. And the average age, uh, age span of a, a cell is three months. And then it dies and is replaced by new cells. And... In the, in our, after a year, all the cells, the physical matter of the body has been replaced by new. And this is not something that I am just saying. This is acknowledged by, by, by physical science, well, by, by medical science. Sorry to interrupt. physical body is in a constant process of renewal. After a year, we have completely new cells. So why are we still the same person? That well, is because who we really are is not the physical body. It is the spirit that reincarnates on a daily basis 
into the ever-changing matter, physical matter of the body. All right. Well, I actually do plan on hitting on that a little bit later on. So we'll we'll, we'll, we'll hold that hold that thought um, and we'll come back mm-hmm. to it. Um, but uh, w- uh, the next question had to do with uh, consciousness. Uh, you, you, you were talking about how we could kind of prove that it exists through electrical energies and things like that through measuring. Is, is that fair to say so far? Like, so so the, it was on page 19. Uh, our consciousness is an electrical field holding our eye and all the aspects that are typical of that eye. And my question would be if that if this if this electrical field is, is indeed, indeed measurable, shouldn't we be able to see the effects of those electrical wavelengths leaving the body upon death? Like shouldn't shouldn't we be able to see like as that you know, a chunk of energy leaves almost like a, a ghost leaving the body? Isn't isn't there some way? That... I've already answered that question. When we have the monitoring devices on, in the hospital and uh, and suddenly there's a flat line that mm-hmm. means that the energy body has left sure. there's no more energy in the in the body so but but as as this as we're talking about invisible matter we cannot see it leave maybe some some mediums and some clairvoyants and psychics can see it leave i think and and i have also seen on the internet like they have been pictures, not not pictures, but maybe drawings of, of a, a body leaving, and and that is actually how it is. Now, but, to, be, uh, to be fair, that flat line is just to, to show when the heart actually stops beating. That's all that measures. No, no, yeah, but the the heart be- stops beating when when the electricity is gone. It it pulls out, and that's why why there is now a flat line because th- there's no more electricity in the body. So so I think that has already been answered. Now, now, when when people are being, say, going through a CT scan or something, we're measuring the electrical fields in the body, and we see those electrical fields in the body. Certainly, if the body dies during that scan, then we should be able to see then those electrical energies leaving the body, shouldn't we? Is I don't I, 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 I don't know. I how, cannot answer that. I don't, I don't know. I simply don't know. Yeah, I don't know how the technology works exactly, but I'm no, just I'm I'm, I, I'm picturing I'm picturing something where they're sitting there taking photos through a scan, and suddenly, you know, for whatever reason, the patient dies in, in the middle of the scan, and they can should be able to see, or they, they could they could also potentially do this with with rats. You would think, you know, as experiments, uh, be able to take rats, put them through that scan, and then kill them <laughs> during the scan, <laughs> that and they should be able to terrible see. Karma. I hope you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Killing rats, all, yes. all, all scientists. All living, hey, hey, hey! All living beings are. Oh are gosh! Sacred. So, so killing mosquitoes. I'm going to suffer for that severely later on. Yeah, or is yeah, that mosquito, or is that more self defense? The mosquitoes and and ants. If they are about to invade your house, then it's a different story because you also have the right to defend yourself against uh, against that. No, I can agree so, with you that I, I like I like the non aggression principle and, and the fact that we have the right to defend ourselves. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm gl- I'm yeah. glad that also com- comports with your your beliefs in terms of karma. That's fantastic yes. to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I like this more and more. All right, so let's continue. Um, the next quote here I pulled was. Uh, our science is saying, well, hmm. yeah, here we go. Let's skip that one because I feel like we just covered that. All right. That's a really long quote. Why would I not shrink that down? All right. Let's go to, yeah, we've already covered a lot of these, so that's that's good. Shorten up the show a little bit. Okay, I already can't see. Okay, so here, here's the one. Here's the one I wanted to touch on. This is this is a whole other topic here. So, um, in 1939, the Russian inventor Simon Simon Simeon. Yes, Simon. Yeah. Simeon Davidich Kurlian 
found that the energies of the aura could be photographed using a specific technique. This means that we can now actually have our auras photographed. Um, there is no doubt that the energy field of our consciousness, the eye or the life force exists because now it can be photographed and we can see that we have an energy field or aura around the body. Now, I've actually brought, um, I, I looked just doing some preliminary research. Oh, we're showing, sorry, let me, let me change the screenshot on, let me change the screen on that since you're bringing that up see if we can bring that a little bit bigger. So that's, that's a photograph she's showing for the podcast listening audience about a human aura photograph using the Curlian technique. And that's, 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 that's a yeah. photo, photograph that was actually in the book. I recognize that one. Yeah. All right. It's me. Actually. It's my oh, oh, that's you. I didn't even recognize that. That's great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, I, maybe, maybe it was the hair covered up with the aura. It's such a strong aura. You have, you have a beautiful aura, Elsa. You have a beautiful <laughs> you. aura. All right. So um, just doing some quick research on that. I didn't get like super in-depth on this, um, but basically from, from the wiki, uh, paranormal, paranormal claims have been made about the Curlian photography, but these claims are unsupported by the scientific community. Um, there's a, there's a website that I, uh, was looking at I, and I, I'm sure, and I know, and I know, I understand that you can find something to debunk everything out there. So, you know, just, you know, take it with a grain of salt. I'm just trying to offer some different perspectives for people listening and let them decide what they think. Um, I'm not, I'm not trying to necessarily shape, change minds or anything like that, but just, you know, bringing up interesting ideas from different perspectives is the, is the point mm -hmm. of this. So, um, what they say is, uh, as the resulting, Curlian uh, photography pictures of both animate and inanimate objects display a colorful aura. The variety of uh, par parapsychologists were quick to jump to conclusions. People claim that the Curlian photography depicts auras or chakras and can show the life force on the subject. As you will see below, all these claims have since been debunked by scientific research, but still Curlian discovery attracts a strong following even today. And uh, the, web the website, if you want to check that out, is uh, creativephotoconnect.com forward slash Karelian dash photography and uh, they basically just kind of go they have a short video and they show some different photography done and and probably the the, the image at the end of it for me was the uh, image of a, a u.s quarter showing a really strong aura around it which is an inanimate object i wouldn't imagine that has a a life force i mean correct me if i'm wrong but that's kind of well but um mineral matter mineral matter has um also a, a life form in it even though it is uh, is not co is not a conscious life form but it is a life form so I'm, I'm not surprised about that and i'm also not surprised that uh, like like dead bodies will actually also have a, <clears throat> a much smaller and fainter aura because uh, if when when i have left my physical body i pulled out my spirit and my body is now dead mm -hmm. but the body is still uh, filled with all those small living beings, all my cells. All my cells, my cells don't die just because I die. When I pull out, the body is still alive, or the cells in the body will still be alive, and they will be alive for as long as there is humidity in the body. And those cells will also give off a faint aura, not as, as big an aura as, as mine, but they will give off a faint aura. So for that reason, you can also see some type of aura around a dead body, but that is not from the the, 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 the consciousness of the being who actually used this uh, this physical body, but it is from uh, the, the, the small living beings alive. Everything is life inside life inside life. So, so there will still be life and there will also be a, a faint 
type of life in any mineral matter. So I'm not surprised that, that of, of what you're saying. Hmm. But I must also say, of course, that people who cannot fit the existence of, a, of spiritual matter or a spiritual level of existence into their world picture, they will be not just skeptics, they will be crazily skeptics. They will refuse and deny and they will shout fraud and they will do anything in their mind, in their capability to refute this. Yeah, Cog but, cognitive but, bias, basically. Sorry? Co uh, cognitive, cognitive bias, basically, is what you're describing, right? Yeah, yeah whatever. So, I mean, you, you, as you said, you can find something that is opposing everything. So, well, now, now to, to build on that, um, so if, I, if I'm understanding what you're saying, our body is composed of a, a, a trillions of bacteria in our guts, uh, our cells mm. each individually have their own aura, which means that they have their own their own life force that also reincarnates to the next level. Yes. And, exactly. and, and those are constantly dying in smaller cycles. So yes. what, exactly. at, at what point does like the the emergent property of me come out of that out of all these tinier smaller life forces all combining together into one no your your eye is above these your eye is who utilizes this body this body that consists of all these smaller units right. so you have like your eye your eye as the su supreme ruler of your unit your body is also a universe and you your eye is the supreme ruler of this universe and your eye has the aura, it, its uh, consciousness and aura around it, and that is what pulls out when once the physical body is no longer a useful instrument, because we only use the physical body as long as it serves us, and we should lose use it as long as it it is uh, serviceable, because we should never like we shouldn't kill ourselves because that's not a good idea, uh, because the physical body is a complicated thing to create, and once we have it, we should make the best of it. Um, but um, but no, as I said, the supreme ruler is your eye. Right. So uh, I want to I want to move on. That was, that was an excellent answer. I just just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that, and I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. See, uh, here here on uh, see uh, says uh, but not only that. I, I just this this I didn't understand. I, I just legit didn't understand it. I was just curious what you meant by this. Uh, as you said a. Uh, with positive thoughts, we magnetize our blood positively and create a healthy body. And with negative thoughts, we magnetize our blood negatively and create illnesses. Uh, and then, I guess I was curious, you know, is, is that would that be considered another physical effect or you know, how can that be substantiated scientifically? And uh, I just it's it's uh, astounding, like the level of confidence that is spoken between these things that aren't able to be measured and I'm trying to figure out how are you actually like I, I, I it might be just me my bias I'm just trying to figure out how it's, it's, it's what, fine what, it's what, fine, what, it, what is it first it, of all and then how do you measure yeah. it 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 like it, it today it is an accepted uh, fact mm -hmm. on most hospitals in Denmark at least which is where I have most of my information that if you have been operated on you should go home and, and think positive thoughts and, and be positive in all the ways you can because it has been measured scientifically that positive people, they heal faster, mm -hmm. they have better health, uh, they, yeah, well, they're nicer to be around, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I mean, this was when I was, um, when I was in my 30s, this was beginning to become known 
And I had a very good friend who was a psychologist and he was into this and he said this becoming more and more clear in, in, within medical science how much our state of mind uh, means to our physical health. And that's exactly what Martino says. He says, the most important factor in your health is your thoughts. And it is Martinez who says that with happy thoughts, with grateful thoughts, you magnetize your blood positively. And a positively magnified blood, it rose, goes out to every part of your body and it creates good health. Whereas if you are negative, if you are afraid, if you are angry, if you're pissed off, if you're, if you're depressed, you, you, you magnetize your blood negatively. And it, it has become clear that also cancer, the huge cause of cancer is negative thinking, fear, anger, Anxiety, dissatisfaction, stress, it, it's stress, all this. I mean, okay, uh, 40 years ago, mm-hmm. it, it might have been something taken out of the blue, but today it's becoming more and more clear. I mean, ask any doctor, he will support this. Right on. Good answer. Good answer. Um, here, here's this is a kind of a long quote, but I think it's I think it's pretty important. And this is just give us a little more information on what we talked about earlier mm-hmm. about the the uh, physical uh, the, about the spiritual energy leaving the body um, is on uh, page 27. So uh, what happens to the spirit package when it leaves the body? Is it simply dissolved? No, the electricity or energy does not cease to exist because it's no longer attached to the physical body. We, we covered that much so far. Uh, this is no different than any other electrical, electrical device. Uh, the example you use is when we unplug our lamp, we know that the electricity does not cease to exist either. Um, the field of energy of our life force is not dissolved just because it's no longer attached to the physical body. And that makes sense based on what you were describing. So according to the first law of thermodynamics, uh, it, it also called the law of conserv- conservation of energy, the total energy of an isolated system remains constant. This law means that energy can neither be created or destroyed. I, I agree with that so far. Um, as the science of physics clearly states that energy cannot be destroyed, this means that we are standing on firm and solid scientific ground when we say that the energy field of our spirit is not dissolved or destroyed at death. It's no longer... <coughs> excuse me. It is no longer at work in the physical body it inhabited before, but it's still there. Um, so the the big issue i had with that was that basically in the in the, within those two paragraphs um i feel like you missed a major aspect of the theory of uh, thermodynamics basically being that the first law of thermodynamics speaks about an isolated system um our body is by no means isolated much like the lamp in your example the must the fu- the energy must be refueled constantly um and and just just to to clarify for the audience here is uh, the the first law of thermodynamics uh, which is again, you said the law of conservation of in- conservation of energy states the total energy of an isolated system is constant. Energy can be transferred from one form to another, but it can neither be created nor destroyed. Yes, uh, wouldn't you call your 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 energy field, your consciousness, an an isolated system? Well, what I, I guess I guess that. what I'm what I'm referring to is the the energy that we see, the electricity that's formed, is is the out the output from our cells. 
uh, const, you know, constantly, you know, doing their thing. They're, they're, they they uh, they have to be refueled, though. You know, we have to keep eating. We have to keep consuming energy that our body mm-hmm. breaks down and conf- and turns into that energy. So it's not really an isolated system. It's it's you know, it, it takes outputs and inputs coming from. You know, we're kind of part of a bigger system, of course. No, 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 but, no, 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 no. Right. What we're talking about when we're talking about eating and drinking, we're talking about feeding the physical body. We're not talking about feeding the the, the energy the energy field because the energy field is 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 a, a constant it's it, it is a system in its own right mm. and it has nothing to do with the eating and drinking thing because that has something to do with the physical the needs of the physical body but this, the, the energy field is sort of a different entity because it can pull out and it can exist completely independent of the physical body and mean i i'm not inventing this just ask any near-death experiencer who mm. has been uh, declared clinically ill, not clinically dead, right. and and the and there's no more energy field, and the energy field has moved on, and it has had a lot of experiences. It can see, it can hear, it can sense, it it can experience so much, and so many people. Hundreds of books have been written about the near death experience. So this is not something that 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 has not been verified through experience on the physical plane. This is this is, is is and it's coming more and more because more and more people are, are revived because of these you know that you put on the chest and and you get the spirit back and sure. and people who have been out they've had they've experienced so many things wonderful things and uh, and obviously they're eager to talk about it so that's why so many books are being published about it it's it's a huge step in revealing the existence of the spiritual plane sure sure and. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess. I guess the the issue wasn't necessarily with whether or not it exists or not. It was more with the example used to try to illustrate the point. I don't feel like it was very. It was, I don't feel like it was strong enough because it, it didn't. It didn't quite connect with me as far as what you just described there. I get your point. I I, I get it, and and I think you're right. But it was like when it was just like something that that was so. Uh, it was so close at close to hand to mm-hmm. to sure. to use this example. You know, I, I totally understand. I've, I've done a fair share of writing myself, so it's it's like often hard to come up with a perfect example until later on you're like, oh, I, I should have used that. That's way better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, that's what later releases of the book are for, right? All right. Yeah. All right. So this here's another interesting concept that you brought up in the book that I've, no, I've never heard of, um, and it's, I, I wanted to see if you could expand on that a little more. But you, you say, uh, where, where do talents come from? This is about talents. So uh, do we just inherit from our parents, uh, as is the general understanding? Uh, it simply cannot be like that because a lot of us have talents that none of our parents have. It's a talent. Uh, if a talent is not shared by the parents or the grandparents, then where does it come from? Science has no answer to where our talents come from. If they're not shared, I, I just wanted to see um, what you, you mentioned. I th- you called it a talent kernel. And I wanted to see if you could explain what that means exactly. Yes. A talent kernel is a small spiritual seed. It's not physical. <clears throat> it's a small seed that is actually created in your consciousness or in your super consciousness as soon as you start practicing something. Like when you start practicing writing on your keyboard, right. you will sit like this. But then as you, the more you practice, the better you become at it. And uh, before long, you can write on the damn keyboard without even looking at it. So this is a sample of an, a, um, a talent kernel that has grown from be, just being a small seed to becoming a big plant, a big flowering plant. 
And I mean, and, and this is like talents are so interesting. And I, in my opinion, the best evidence for reincarnation, because we are all born with so many talents and you have, you have children, I understand. Sure. So I'm sure they all have different talents. They come into this life with different talents and all these talents, they may not be talents that you and your wife have. They can be talents that have never been heard of in your family. And that is because you come into the, this life with the talents that you have practiced during former lives. And it is clear that there's only one way to become as good as something, and that is to practice. The more you practice, the better you become. Sure. Every time you practice, the talent kernel grows a little bit. It becomes more uh, knowledgeable about whatever act you are trying to perform. So when you look at some of the of the performances of children who play the piano, like young children, four, five, six years old, and they play like virtuosos, they play fantastic. And it is obvious that they could not have learned that in their present life. And as they are born to parents who cannot play the piano or who are not even musical, how can you explain it without explain without taking a past life into into consideration? I'm just asking you. Yeah, it's, it's it is an interesting the- uh, not theory, but uh, idea. And, I'm trying, and I don't, I don't know where talents come from exactly. I, I I don't have an answer for why some people seem to pick up things so much faster, and why other people like struggle with it like crazy, and and can never never get the hang of it. Um, no. I mean, it, it's it's as plausible a, a, a description of that uh, phenomenon as any, I suppose. But you know, it's, yeah, but it is because the, the the answer can only be found in a past life. I like I'd like to give you an example. I'm sure you've heard about H.C. Anderson, who was a Danish uh, fairy tale writer. He was hugely famous. He he actually experienced fame in his own lifetime. And uh, his his work has been translated into all, you know, the ugly duckling, the little mermaid, the um, the um, the emperor's new clothes and all those. Mm-hmm. He was born, um, his parent, his, mo- his mother was an, an analphabet. She was a washerwoman and his father was a shoemaker. Where would he have this blooming talent for telling fairy tales from his parents. Yeah, you got me. I, I just some people seem to have this have this penchant for a creative thought and that kind of thing. I I, I tend to be one of those. I've got a very overactive imagination. You know, it, it, uh, just slight slight side topic here. It just it, it really blows my mind because um, my mind never shuts off and I'm no, constantly. Exactly. I talk to, I talk to people all the time and I'm, and and it's like, what what are you thinking about? And they're like nothing. And and for, for the, <laughs> right, but for the longest time, I, I I just thought, well, maybe they just don't want to talk to me, or maybe you know, maybe they they just maybe they don't think it's important. And uh, yeah. the more I, the more I interact with people, the more I realize that some people literally just don't have anything going on in their mind. They they're able to just they just aren't thinking. They're just doing they're just doing their job or what have you. And it's like, where does that come from exactly? Like why? Exactly. <laughs> like it, it's it, just it comes from your past lives. It comes from your level of evolution. Mm. I mean, I'm like you. There's things going on in my head all the time when I'm driving in my car. I hate it when people put music on because I want to be in my thoughts. I don't want to hear that music. Let me sit in my own thoughts. That's much nicer, you know. <laughs> so there's things like going whole... on all the time, and it's 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 something that happens to you. I think as as you evolve, you become more and more. Your imagination becomes more and more lively. You, you yeah, you're in your your consciousness is at work. 
It's doing things. It's telling you stuff. It's receiving inputs. So you keep you keep mentioning this this concept of super consciousness. Uh, like what's I've never I haven't heard that, and maybe I missed it when I was reading. But um, what, what's the difference between conscious and super conscious versus maybe subconscious? Yes, what, what the is consciousness that? is your, uh, what there's there's different 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 levels of consciousness. You have your daily consciousness. Mm-hmm. That's what you can can see and and think when you're awake. Sure. Then you have your night consciousness, which is what happens when you dream. That's your night consciousness. Then you have your subconsciousness, which is what you know but don't know actively. Something that is sort of hidden underneath some kind of veil, what you know and you don't like. That is what you can access during hypnosis. You can get into your subconscious and you can find information there, like memories from past lives and stuff. And then you have your supraconsciousness, which is above your daily consciousness and which holds your eye and all and your, your fate element, all the things that you take with you from life to life. That's sort of a higher level of consciousness. And 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 but you have all this, but it's only like different compartments of your consciousness. But you take it with you when you leave. When you leave your physical body, you take the whole package with you. So that, that kind of that actually sounds like one of those terms that we were discussing earlier that needed to be created to encompass this idea of. Yes. Okay. That, precisely. Okay. So that yeah. okay that makes sense. Because uh, I've never heard the term super consciousness before until this very conversation. So I was just curious what right. what you meant by that exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, all right. So uh, now you're now this is something that I was I was you know I, again I'm I'm always skeptical about certain things like this and and your co-author Maria she she wrote uh, as a therapist and and for those of you who have who haven't read the book uh, I recommend checking it out is it is very interesting but and this book was written by you and your co-author and you guys took turns basically writing sections and compiled it into a, an overall book so um yeah um so she she wrote uh, as a therapist I've experienced cases where we just couldn't find any cause in in, in this life uh, which means that conventional therapeutic methods simply don't work in such ca- uh, in such cases past life regression can uncover the truth about uh, the phobia and then it can be released. I think this was about uh, trying to determine why people have these phobias or what have you. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, and and exactly. honestly, no no disrespect to your co-author, but is it, is it possible she just wasn't very good at her job, or maybe she likely missed it a few times, or maybe she just couldn't find it, but another therapist could? I mean, there's there's so many different possibilities for the reasons why she couldn't find it. That uh, I'm just wanted okay. wanted to ask you: Is it at least possible that those were po- the cases? No. No, no, she's, no. she's just because damn have good. Have you read Brian, Brian Weiss's book, uh, Through Time Into Healing? I think it's called his first book, Brian Weiss. He was a, 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 a psychoanalyst, I think. And um, he had, he, he saw patients all the time that have had severe traumas and severe psychological problems in their present life. And he did not believe in any of this. When, until he met his, his patient, Catherine, who he put her in a light trance and said, let's see if we can find the, the cause for this, for, for this ailment that, that you're suffering from. And suddenly she saw herself in a completely different surrounding in a past life. And he, she explained and she was, she was drowned in that life and a child she was holding in her arms was pulled away from her. And it was all so terribly traumatic. Mm-hmm. And Brian Weiss, he did not believe in any of this, and he was so skeptical of it. And suddenly he realized, oh, my God, there is something here that I have to, I have to look into. And as soon as he got his, this patient to talk about this incident that, that she had had, she suddenly remembered from her subconscious mm-hmm. 
she, she, she healed. She started to heal. She healed dramatically. Everything was gone. She was just so much better. And then he realized this is something that is so powerful that I have to look into. And then he became a really famous uh, regression therapist and he's written several books about it. So this is how it happens. People, they don't know. Suddenly it, it, it comes up. It comes up and it reveals like a cornucopia of, of possibilities for healing. So no, um, I'm sure Maria, she is also a regression therapist. Sure. So I'm sure she knows the difference. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I get it. I was just, I was just curious because it just it seems like it's possible that maybe she, um, I know, I know from what I understand anyway, I'm not a therapist by any stretch of the imagination, but I know, you know, you go through the, the process of asking questions and trying to dig deeper into people's pasts. And, you know, some people even have parts of their memory. They just have blacked out or they've blocked out. They cannot remember, which yeah. could, which could be accessed through, you know, subconscious type hypnosis and things like that. But, yeah. but um, it, it's just, it's, it's possible that the right questions weren't asked to really dig at what was the the issue okay. with that patient. Of course, I can't guarantee that, obviously. Right, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, there's no way to prove it one way or the other. It was just, I was just wanting to is. present the possibility that that was an, an, a, a potential option that could have been. I don't think so. Maria is so good at what she does. So I, I, I really cannot, um, I cannot fantom that. Sure. Sure. I don't, I don't doubt that. I don't, I've never met Maria no. except through her writing no. in this, in this particular <laughs> book. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to move on to the, the, now. This goes back to the brain cell uh, renewal that we were talking about earlier, and uh, in the book you said uh, that this uh, this point's been controversial because it's been believed that we had the same brain cells through all, all through life. We somehow had to uh, because if the brain cells were also renewed, then where was the constant element of our body? Uh, in the body, which I, I do agree with you that, you know, we found out scientifically that all cells renew. I think what is it like every seven years you are a completely brand new set of cells. Um, yeah. So just uh, in the in the body, there has to be a constant element, uh, something that's always there despite the cell renewal. There has to be something that holds our identity, our memories, our sense of self all through life. Um, so I, I guess I guess uh, my question would be where where why does there have to be a constant why, why why is that a thing that has to be there if i keep renewing boards on say a bridge uh and eventually replace all the boards is 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 it no longer that same bridge or is it something new we, we've we've heard that you know theory brought up from time, to time. <laughs> but the, the problem with the bridge is it doesn't have memory and um we have memory in our to constantly renewed body we mm. still can remember our childhood Right? Right. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, definitely. Yes. So there's something, there's a constant somewhere. We're still the same I. We still have the, ex the exactly same characteristics, the same personality, the same everything that we did when we were, although we, we, it, it evolves over time and we become wiser and we unlearn certain, certain not, not so interesting and or not so good characteristics. But we are still the same person. The, 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 the bridge does not have a personality, it does not have an eye, it does not have memories. So it, it's it's a different story when you're talking about a living being. So and, as absurd as it sounds, maybe the bridge does, but we just don't have any way of communicating with it and it to us. There's, <laughs> I mean, maybe it just doesn't have, you know, we don't, we don't communicate the same way. I know it sounds absurd, but I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. <laughs> just an yeah, interesting well, thought. <laughs> but, yeah, no, the bridge, however nice it is, it, it's, it does not have... An eye. Yeah. <laughs> well, Only there, living beings have an eye. 
and, and, and to tie something to, to tie something something to that so it doesn't sound so absurd um, a number of us have, have experienced this I'm sure where we, we go into these old historical buildings that just seem to have a, almost a personality of their own like it seems like they're they're trying to tell you a story in some way some some feeling comes over you when you walk into these buildings and yes. you know and that's not to say the building itself has a soul per se but it, you know that it doesn't seem as absurd when I bring yeah. up that it, example it's not absurd at all and I also said it could be a nice bridge. It it has um, it's a very nice bridge. It has a vibration. It has a vibration, and you can feel. You can often feel this vibration. I totally agree. You move. You go into a building, and mm-hmm. you suddenly feel that 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 building's vibration. Right. Because it has a vibration, but it doesn't mean it. It everything has vibration. The color has vibration. Your 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 glass of water has vibration. Every single thing has vibration. This pen has a vibration. So, so this is what probably this vibration that you pick up, or it could be haunted, and you pick up the exist the, the the presence of a ghost. That's a different story. Right on, right on. Good answer, good answer. All right, I'm just about done. I believe I'm on my last page or two here. Okay, I've got three pages left. Are you still good for time? Absolutely. I don't mind this going on. This is probably our longest no, episode, no, no, episode yet. This is, this, is, this is fascinating so far. So, you know, appreciate you very, very much for hanging in there with me. All right. So uh, where was I here? Okay. All right. So uh, on page 42, you say the reason for the aging is not in the physical body, but in the spiritual body. Um, and now, as far as I can tell, um, this has been proven wrong in current science of aging. I'm just what do, what do you what do you mean by that? That differentiates from current aging science? That we have out there right I, now. I, I don't know about aging science. I really don't. I'm sorry. As I said, I only know the Martinez material. And this is Martinez who says that that it is our eye who holds everything together. Like the, the, our, our body consists of millions of living beings that are that have to cooperate. And like our heart is an individual living being, our lungs are individual living beings, our our stomach, our kidneys, our liver. All those organs, the pancreas, all those organs, the brain, they are individual living beings that have to maintain a cooperation. Mm-hmm. And this cooperation, it starts to relax after a certain time. And then the aging process sets in around the age of 30. And then it's it sort of uh, like accelerates until it the, the eye can no longer hold things together. And then it has to pull out pull the, the spirit out and the body is left uh, to 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 decompose so so that's that's martinez's uh, explanation for it i know that there's also something that much i do know about the aging uh, process that there's some cells that have some something 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 and that it, it it's cut off and then when when all the the rungs have been used up then the the cell dies or something. Yeah, I, th- I think it's like called like a T cell or some kind of telomer. I, I can't yeah. remember. The, I can't. I can't no. remember that exact name of yeah. it. But I think I know what you're talking about. Where it's like got this tail on it that over time, as as cells regenerate, the DNA strand just t- tends to shorten, shorten, shorten until it can't. It, it no longer has the information necessary to create the proper cell, and that's where the aging process. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. 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 Exactly. So so, so like things I, like. Oh, sorry. Th- things like um, um, any kind of advancement in technology that prolongs that process does that really have any effect on the spiritual, or is that is that like playing God, so to speak, or is that something maybe we shouldn't be doing to try to prolong our lives um, in that way, or is that I'm, I'm not really sure how how that fits exactly. No, I don't think there's anything at all that we shouldn't be doing. 
we, we are free to experience and experiment as much as we want. And if that is what we uh, have found out, there's nothing wrong in that. Mm-hmm. And it will then turn out if, it, if it's a good or a bad. And if we can prolong, I mean, we're already living much longer than, than we did uh, 50 years ago. I mean, we, 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 we simply grow older and older due to various things. We're better at, uh, at, at taking care of our health. We, are, we have much better medical science and, and whatnot. So we have maybe better nutrition. So we are all getting older and older and older. And as I said before, we're supposed to make the best of our physical body for as long as it is willing to, to be with us. So I think it's only good, and if we can find things that will prolong our our physical life, then by all means, I can't see there's anything wrong with that, Mm -hmm. because we we have to have a new body anyway, but as long as we can stay in the old one and it's not being too much of a bother, we should do that. Obviously, when the body becomes very ill or very injured, and it is then no no longer any fun at all to be in it, then, of course, it's much better to pull out. Move on to the spiritual plane. Get on with it. Reincarnate into a new physical body. All right. I feel like I've missed one of my questions somewhere. It was, it was, a, it was one where I was just trying to play around with the idea and let me see if I can rephrase it the best I can. Basically, the the idea was something about, you know, if, if each iteration of our lives creates this, um, we're, we're, we get better slowly but surely over time. Um, wouldn't there be some kind of incentive to then kill ourselves as quickly as possible to get to that next level or maybe even kill others as a, as a way of quote unquote, helping them reach the next level. I, I, <laughs> I know I, I just try to play with the concepts here and see, yeah, see what I can come up with. Fine. No, <laughs> no, because <laughs> just no. <laughs> okay. No, yes. Because when you, when, if you kill yourself, that is like absolutely the worst thing you can do because let's say that you are very depressed Mm -hmm. and you don't want to live anymore. So you take out a gun and you shoot yourself or whatever way you want to kill yourself. And you think you will get out of your depression by that, by in that way. But what you don't realize is that your state of mind, whatever you are state you're in is a physicism is a, a, a spiritual thing. So when you when you if you take your own the life of your physical body, you will be exactly in the same sad and sad mood when you pass on to the spiritual plane, and instead of having a like a pleasant experience of your passing, you will go into something that is is can be considered a kind of hell, a kind of self-made hell, and you will be there. In the in in un, until you you manage somehow to get out of it, you will get out of it, but you need help to get out of it. So you have to understand that whatever state of mind you are in, that will follow you onto the spiritual plane because it's a spiritual reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, and as I said, the idea is to stay in the physical body for as long as it is serviceable. So if you if you kill yourself, it is um, you are not making the best of it. And it will have very drastic and not very pleasant karmic uh, karmic uh, uh, consequences. So I would very, very much uh, say that don't do it. Really, really don't do it. And also, if you are suffering, some 
measure of suffering is also needed by all of us because we all have to suffer in order to experience a contrast to the spiritual plane. So if, even though you are suffering, see if you can endure it, see if you can do as, as much of it as you can before you, before you pull out. So, so no, there's, there's no, it's absolutely not a good idea to go out and pill, kill other people because that will only create very bad killing karma for yourself. Yeah, so, no. well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if if you really truly believe in the in the in the belief system, I mean, yeah, you'll create negative karma for yourself, but you're also uh, theoretically you're helping way way more people achieve the next level quicker, aren't you? I mean, I, I get what you're saying with the rest of it as far as how it affects yourself, but you know, if if you're a lot of people are not they're they're more selfless. Um, they they go and want to help others. They they they'll even uh, help others to their own detriment. And that could I could easily see where somebody. Yeah, that's, the, that's not the way to help others. Yeah, it I, is really I, not the way to help others. Yeah, you just, have to like. It, how can I put it? It's much better to to, to gradually grow into becoming a more, a, a wiser person, mm -hmm. and not just to be pulled out of it by somebody crazy. But of course, if if you are killed, then that is your karma. So that is a, that's a different story. So it, it all it it all hangs in there, you know. Hmm, that's interesting. So if, if I'm killed by some crazy guy, the the next level for me, the, the karma that that entails would be like some kind of a positive karma in my direction later on down the road. Yes. Um, so I yes, guess I guess not. Then you had you had gone. You had if you were killed by some crazy killer, that yeah. is because you had killed somebody. In your past life, that can, you can only be killed if you have killed somebody in about in the past life. But by being killed in this life by this crazy uh, killer, you will have paid off some of your karmic death, death, debt. Debt. You know, <laughs> that is then one one less issue on your karmic account. You know. Well, let's let's stay with one that. Item, one less item on your karmic account. Right. Let, let's stay with that theme because that that was actually one of my uh, questions as well. Um, uh, the, the quote was: uh, "The universe is is an extremely just place. Uh, there is a cosmic principle of responsibility at work, and this means that uh, every little thing we do will have consequences. Uh, if we do good deeds, then they will return to us as good karma, and if we do evil and unkind acts, they will return to us as dark karma, which you just described. Um, mm -hmm. In this." life or in a future life. We are all at the steering wheel of our fate and everything we do comes back to us sooner or later. It may come, uh, it may take a long time for the karmic wave to come back at us. So the deed uh, so sown in one life can come back in a later life, but it will come back. The law of karma is relentless, but karma is not a punishment. It is a loving intro introduction. Uh, sorry, instruction. A uh, sorry, a loving instruction, my, my mistake, uh, in, uh, in nudging us in the right direction towards becoming real human beings. So in that theory, um, what, what the question would be is, uh, the theory is, is completely and utterly unfalsifiable, which is a huge problem in terms of scientific research goes. Yes. On par yes. it, it, it's to me, to me, from my perspective, it's on par with explaining everything as, oh, it's just God's plan. Uh, I mean, there's literally no way to prove this false. So how do you know it's true? So, you know, so basically my failures... Uh, and misfortune can be blamed on my past life doing bad stuff rather than taking responsibility for my current actions in this life, which may have contributed to my issues. I mean, you can, it's easy to see that how life, how, how the law of karma uh, works, because if you go out into the street and you start shouting at, at somebody, mm -hmm. behaving, making a scene, it won't take long before somebody comes and shouts at you. And I've seen it in my own life so many times. I've been 
I've, I've been much more temperamental than I am now because of all this, all the, the things I've had back, and I realized East Town Elton don't be so temperamental. And um, I don't know how many times I've been had. I've been shouting at people that's mostly been in the, on the telephone with, with stupid uh, companies that, that wouldn't give a good service. And then I was thinking, oh, my God, you shouted at somebody that wasn't a very good idea. Now somebody will shout at you. And quite rightly, I'll go into the street and or stopped in the car and somebody stops stops right next to me and starts shouting at me and now I've, I'm 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 laughing at it I'm laughing because oh how funny that was that that was that um, that was that shouting karma that came back and also if I've been driving in my car wow, or something I'm giving a finger to somebody five minutes later <laughs> you <laughs> I would get the same yeah 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 I would get the same finger back I mean it it have it is so obvious like once you start thinking about or looking at it looking at it and like <laughs> Elsa, it, Elsa. it is true and right. also like the sorry to interrupt so, sorry to throw, sorry to throw you off your train of thought here but of, of all the things we've talked about I think I believe that the least that you would be the kind of person to flip somebody off in traffic <laughs> that's that's the one I believe oh, the least you don't know me you don't know me obviously <laughs> I, 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 I was a bad I haven't been a good girl but of course obviously it helps sure as, as I grow in experience and and, and insight. I try to model and, you know, behave better. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah, yeah. that definitely comes with maturity and age and experience. And, and, and maybe maybe even just being able to understand and have the empathy to see things from other people's perspective and, and having lived enough life and experiences to know, hey, how it feels when that's done to you. You know, that makes sense, too. Precisely. Yeah, Precisely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you must read my next book, Fate and Karma in a Nutshell. I, I, I will definitely give it a shot. Um, that, that'll be another another episode we'll have to do in the future. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. This is this has been uh, fantastic. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation as as always, and, and I'd be glad so to have you on for more. I, I I really enjoy the the back and forth on these things and and just playing with the ideas and seeing. You know, it's it's like it's like I feel like I'm in a in a bucket of Legos, just seeing what we can come up with <laughs> based on the rules that you've set in this in this philosophy, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, listen, if you if you want to tell people where they can find your materials and where they can learn more about you, now would be the best time to do that. Yeah, thank you so much. Yes, my website is called New Spiritual Science, and there you can see uh, a little bit about who I am and who Martinez was, and you can see uh, my my blog. I have a I have a, I think seventy blog posts that you can read about aspects of Martinez's spiritual science and you have a list of my books there's only seven on it uh, now but I have just published the number eight which is the, the <laughs> one I just mentioned fate and karma in a nutshell awesome. also with Ma Maria McMahon and uh, this is where you can find me and there's a lot of free material on my website under under um, on one of the items like what's it called uh, resources you can find free chapters from my books. You can find uh, interviews with me like this one. And you can, uh, you can find uh, articles and, and, and audios. And um, so, yeah, my website is really the place where you can find a lot of material. Awesome, so, awesome. so that is where I would uh, recommend you go if you're interested in this kind of thinking. All right, newspiritualscience.com to check out her materials. Uh, um, it's, uh, it's it's very interesting. It's it's something. It's definitely a different perspective that I'm not familiar with, and I and I appreciate you uh, um, t 
taking holding my hand through this <laughs> through this journey. Um, and, and if anybody else, uh, if you want to check out our material, just uh, go to unframeofmind.com. And uh, just uh, if you want to be a guest and if you want to talk about your own ideas as well, come on. on the, I'd be welcome to have. I'd be glad to have you on the show to discuss them, just like we did here. Um, and and uh, just have fun with it. That's basically all we can do. So uh, this has been another un- uncomfortable conversation without a condom. And I'm your host, Daniel Wagner. <laughs> Until next time, y'all have a good one. Thank you.